Ready for your alligator? Fine. Take your alligator and leave me alone. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's right. It's Unbothered by Ty Rivera, the ever so sporadic podcast. Um, I just, you know, some, some weeks I get too personal and I try, and then some weeks I don't even try because I'm like, well, I really don't have much to talk about, you know? I mean, like, on those weeks. On this week, I have a little bit to talk about and I'm fine to talk about it, but I'm not going to force this on days where it's like, you know, I don't have a guest, so there's no one for me to talk to, and I really don't have enough, uh, what would you say, information or... Uh, news to really talk about. I'm just kind of like, all right, well, some weeks I'm, and then some weeks I'm just so busy because uh, I've been on the road a lot lately, which has been good as far as, you know, making sure bills stay paid and stuff like that. So I'm never one to frown about actually having work, but I'm, you know, everybody gets tired. So it's not ungrateful to every once in a while be. And I'm I'm very big on that. I don't think a lot of people have understood uh, throughout my life kind of how much I rely on energy and what I'm putting out. And there was a point with even with this podcast for the botherinas out there that really remember what it was like in the beginning where I was putting out a lot of negative energy and it was like I was also getting a lot of negative energy back and it was kind of like, okay, well... I don't really know that I want to continue on that track. And I know that some people found it incredibly entertaining, but at the same time, my life was in turmoil. And it's even a part of the reason that my relationship didn't end up lasting, which, you know, I, I guess if it was going to last, it would have lasted anyway. But there's times when I think about it and I'm like, yeah, that probably was hard for him to have to be around that negativity all the time because, you know, there was negativity coming in, negativity going out, and you're just a person that's stepping into this world, which I kind of warned him about when we first got together. You know, I didn't talk about work for probably the first month and a half or something like I just would keep that completely separate. And it was a really good time in our relationship because I wasn't exposing him to what was going on. Sometimes he'd notice that I was a little bit off or whatever. And that usually had something to do with, you know, uh, stuff that was going on with me as far as things to do with the podcast and I guess kind of business in a way. Uh, but, you know, there was also a fair amount of monetization with that, which I don't think a lot of people understand that either. Like sometimes I would make money off of the negativity that was coming in and going out, you know, because a lot of people would hear about me. And one one thing I don't really know if a lot of people understand the way it works. I... You you could say the ne negativity is a bad thing, but at the same time, when people are talking about you, and there was one point when it was at its worst, which was before I ever met my ex, you know, back in L.A., uh, <laughs> where I started trending on Facebook in L.A., which, you know, to trend in a city like that, you know, is pretty hard to do. When I say trending, I mean on social media, on Facebook. And when you're, you're trending like that, it's... People are seeing your name everywhere, and there's a bunch of people that have booked you in the past that don't really care about any kind of drama you're having. Because that's the other thing people don't get about me is even through the roughest times that I was having, I'm very good at what I do. And I don't say that to toot my own horn. It's just what it is. And when I'm going through times like that, I'll write on stage and I'll say all sorts of stuff that I wouldn't usually say. And because I was annoyed bothered by some of the things that were bothering a lot of people at that time, I was really speaking to people's like frustration. And I don't regret that part of it. Like everybody's upset with, well, not everybody, nobody's upset with Dave Chappelle's special. I should say it that way. Um, it's just a very limited few people that have been trying forever now. And the problem with these people was they got some traction for a while there. And for a while, people were actually paying attention to them. Uh, and I don't mean like specific individuals. I mean these particular movements that I had warned 
because when I was going through it with these types of people, I was always warning them that you're overdoing it because technically we're on the same side. Like when you talk about some of the things that people really get up in arms about, like let's go with the Chappelle special in particular. It's stuff to do with the LGBT community, specifically the trans community. And when it comes to those communities, I obviously have a connection. I am LGBT. I am gay. I have hung out with trans people my entire adult life. And I would tell these people, like, you know, the ones that were really militant on Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and, you know, all of those, which I was never on Reddit, but every once in a while, Reddit people would spill over because what people like that like to do on social media is they know that their audience is kind of limited. And so what they'll do is they'll play victim on every form of social media. So if you post something that they consider negative on Instagram Facebook, any of that, they'll screenshot it and then they'll take it to Reddit. They'll take it to every one of them and they'll paint it in a way like they're being victimized. And then their followers, which are in a lot of cases are trolls that really have nothing to do with their lives. And I don't say that to be insulting, but it's just true. When you're spending that kind of time on social media, like my thing with social media is if you ever look at some of my old arguments with people, there are literally points where I, I say, I'm not going to be answering for the next couple hours. I'm in the gym now. And I would put my phone in the locker and and I would let the world burn until it was time for me to finish my workout. I didn't care about stuff like that. And it's sometimes people would be like, wow, you spent a lot of time on Facebook. And I was like, actually, I guess kind of in a way, but I was always doing other things while I was doing it. Like in a lot of cases, I'd be showing uh, what I was going to send out to my friends while we were sitting in the back of an open mic or I'd be at a show. And I'd just be like demolishing these people because it's so easy for me. And it doesn't come from a bad place. It comes from a place of, look, I get what you guys are trying to do right now. But at the same time, you're really being disrespectful with a lot of people and you're giving people a negative idea of what it is you are. A person like me, you can never actually turn on the trans community or the gay community because I know how great both of, the, both of those communities or I should say, I know how great individuals from each one of those communities or both of those communities, respectfully, those communities, uh, or respectively, I should say, um, those people from those communities can be. So you can't ever turn me on it altogether, but there are people that have no connection at all and are just like, yeah, I hate these people. They're always giving us a hard time. They're always policing our language. And when it comes down to it, it's not enough for some people that are on the fringes of either of those communities to get people to say what it is they want them to say. They want you to say it in the words that they want you to say it in. And that's where a lot of people get like, yeah, I'm not your slave like that. I'm not trying to just do whatever it is you say exactly the way you say it. Maybe I'm at a different point in my development. And a lot of people don't even think of it that way. They just think like, I don't like these people. But what they don't get on either side is that sometimes those people are evolving and they're going to end up having a connection with the person that's either gay or trans, or they're going to have a family member that's gay or trans. And they're going to, at that point, have a different understanding and have somebody talk to them like an actual human being. And then they're going to be like, oh, I get it now. Now I see why some of these things are important. Like back in the day when it came to gay marriage is always an example I look at. Like the gay community, what we did was we really did just charm people into wanting to see us happy. We infiltrated and it wasn't on purpose and it wasn't devious. It wasn't malicious. Uh, it was just the kind of thing where so many gay people were working for and with straight people and so many avenues like fashion, hair, you know, and when I say fashion and hair, it's like even at the malls, you know, even just regular hairdressers would befriend these housewives and, you know, just everyday people. And, you know, even men, like so many men are so comfortable with gay now. Like back in the day, I remember when I first started doing comedy, it was really hard to do stand up because so many of the straight men were so homophobic and it was just homophobia, homophobia from not knowing true phobia, you know, from not actually knowing anything about gay people and having this idea and what they were told. And if you hang out with gay people, think people are going to think you're gay too. And so 
so I went through a lot of that. So when I was talking to people about this stuff and trying to help them out, it was like, I'm not coming from a place of like, I sit in an ivory tower and I don't have any connection with the everyday person. No, I'm regularly working in redneck rooms. Even to this day, I'm usually working in redneck rooms. So I think I might know a little bit about how to charm people. I might know a little bit about how to communicate with people in a way that doesn't make them feel disrespected or like somebody's being condescending towards them. And that's what my strong suit has always been. So when I would tell these people like, you know, this could be a way that you could strategize. This could be a way that you could possibly make it so people are more sympathetic to what it is you're going through and get a better understanding of it. And then they would tell me that, you know, I didn't know what I was talking about. And clearly, I remember one person told me that I get on stage and I tap dance for straight people. And it's like, yeah, I know what you're trying to do with that. Like, really, what you're trying to do is kind of a racial callback. That's what you're doing. You're accusing me of being a step and fetch it. And uh, that's not what I do. Like, technically, my comedy is kind of in your face. And especially for the level of redneck club I do, it's very in your face. And a lot of straight comics that go on the road with me are surprised at what it is I get away with and how hard people laugh at the stuff that I say when in most instances it's so far from their reality or what they've dealt with. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe you know a gay person at this point, but you don't know one like me. And I go all the way into it. And we have so much fun. So when I talk to people about these things, it's not like I'm coming from a place of I don't understand. I definitely understand. And I definitely see how things are important. You know, when I mentioned gay marriage, there was a very good reason that a lot of people wanted to be married. And that was because in certain states, the partner had no rights at all if it wasn't in their name either completely or at least halfway. And some people didn't get their paperwork in order the way that they should have, like a lot of people do, you know, or they didn't really think that it was that big a deal. And then something would happen and maybe they owned a house together, but it was only in the one partner's name. Well, the partner that had the house in their name now ends up getting dying unfortunate thing but the circle of life oh this is why i don't sing uh publicly but um it's somebody dies which isn't the best thing in the world but then compounding that is that now in that particular state in a lot of cases in many cases the next of kin who is who that actually goes to who their property goes to because legally the partner if they're not on the deed uh, now has no rights, no claim to that particular property. And now they're being put out of their house by, in a lot of cases, greedy family members who had no connection with the partner because they didn't condone their quote-unquote lifestyle. So now you have, you know, in some cases, it was stuff like a second cousin. There's There was a whole documentary that I watched about it because at first I thought it was as trivial as like people just wanted to get married which was my small-mindedness but that was you know a long time ago and it wasn't like I was against people but I was just like why does everybody want to get married it doesn't even look fun and uh cut to me being engaged a couple months ago but whatever shit happens uh sometimes you want to be tied to someone for the rest of your life I don't know why but I was a part of that crew so I'm not going to pretend like I just completely don't get it uh, but back when that was a big thing, I, I was kind of like, yeah, I get being with somebody and I get even long-term being with somebody, but having the need to be legally bound to them makes no sense to me. And then I watched this documentary and I wish I could remember the name of it, but, uh, it was years ago and it was about stories just like this. And they were chronicling different families where this had happened or different gay couples in, in which these things had happened in, or in cases in which these things had happened. And so I got a better understanding for it. And so if more people, when more people were willing to talk about that and be open, then it made for an easier road, which it still ended up being decided by the Supreme Court was how it had to go down. Even in California, it was surprising to people. But see, I tried to help there too because I had a roommate that was very involved with that movement. And I told him, like, look, because the word in California was Prop 8, or the, what it was in California was Prop 8. That's when it was up for vote. And it was up for vote at the same time as Obama's first term. And so 
what happened was the Mormon church had lobbied to have the wording put in a specific way, which was very, very smart on their end. And the way that it ended up coming out was if you voted no on Prop 8, that meant yes to gay marriage. If you voted yes on Prop 8, that meant no to gay marriage. Well, I knew a lot of people that were very much allies to the gay community that were telling me that it was so confusing. And so what they did was they would ask me outright. So if I don't mind if gay people get married, do I vote yes on Prop 8 or do I vote no on Prop 8? And I would very graciously tell them, you vote no on Prop 8 if you want people to get married. No means yes. Yes means no. Think about it that way. And people were like, oh, okay, thanks. Even the day when it was happening. So I had a roommate at that time that was very much a part of that movement. And he was going out and he was, uh, you know, doing the protest and holding up signs on the side of the road and all that kind of stuff. And so one day I told him, I was like, one thing you guys might want to do is really stress that people need to vote no. That's what people need to know. Not just equality for everybody and whatever else you guys are saying. Yeah, that's important. But what people need to know in the immediate is which way they're supposed to vote if they support you. And he was like, well, people are stupid if they don't read the... Well, a lot of people don't read and a lot of people are asking me. So I'm trying to help you out. And he's like, well, those people just shouldn't vote. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to argue their eligibility to vote or not vote. That's not what I'm here for. I thought you really wanted to help your movement out. So I was telling you where I see a hole in, in what you guys are trying to do right now. And I was hoping that maybe you could... Maybe take that to one of the meetings and let the others know this. Well, his pig-headed ass didn't want to listen to me. And then when shit went down, everybody was mad at black people because I think it was like 30% of black people had voted against gay marriage or something like that. And I was just like, no, you can't blame black people for that. I mean, like, that was you guys not doing things the right way. It was at least part of it. Like, you, every vote counts. When you're dealing with something like this and you guys just made the, the mistake of thinking because we were in California that that was going to turn out the way that you wanted to because everybody around you is pretty cool with it. Like, yeah, there was some re resistance in the L.A. area, but for the most part, if people in L.A. are very cool, a lot of people in the entertainment industry, a lot of people getting their hair done by gays, a lot of people have gays as their stylist. And so everybody just thinks like, you know, OK, the gays have it in L.A. or in California, which in L.A., they very well might have had a lot of it in L.A., but people forget that California is a huge state. So you've got Bakersfield, you've got Fresno, you've got Northern California, Mendocino County, you know, and so it's like you can't think about California and just be like L.A. and San Francisco because those cities are very gay friendly, very progressive. But when you go to the other areas, you know, like uh, Red Redlands and like all of that, it's very rural. And so now you're dealing with that that audience or that voting block. And I tried to help, but nobody wanted to listen. Even when it came to the this last election, you know, the last presidential election, I was trying to tell people, this is where you're messing up. This is, well, you're stupid and you don't know what's going on. Okay, well, I'm telling you who's going to win. So... If you guys can if you guys can even turn me off with your message, then you definitely can turn off a lot of the straight public because a lot of people are just getting tired of it. You know, a lot of people have been getting tired of it for a long time. And this Dave Chappelle special should really tell people, like, instead of just being resistant to it, even if you don't like what he said and you happen to be LGBT, a better way to look at it is be like, okay, where are we not communicating prop properly? Because the anger that Dave Chappelle expresses with some of his jokes definitely does come from people talking to him in a particular a particular way. And on the latest special, he said that he met a woman, a trans woman, and that she laughed harder than anybody else. She wants to be a comedian. They sat and talked. They had a drink after his show. And for me, 
that right there is evolution, but nobody wants to see that. Nobody ever wants to see the silver lining in anything. And when you're a person that's like me, that's lived the kind of life that I've lived, and it hasn't been the hardest life in the world, I'm not going to make it seem like, oh, everything's just been a struggle. Certain things have been a struggle. That would be true. Certain things have been difficult for me. Some were self-imposed. Some were because of the way society works. So if I take the whole of that and I think about different times that I've been down and stuff like that, the only way that I was able to make myself feel better and make the situation any better was to look at the silver lining, look at, okay, this is the way this went down, but at the same time, I've got these really great things happening too. So these people are terrible, these people I can't stand, but these people over here are really great and really positive and make me feel good about myself. So I gravitate towards the positive in all of these situations. And people get mad at me for that sometimes. Well, people from from a particular group get mad at me for that. But it's like, well, you look miserable. You're always protesting. You're always angry. You're always trying to tell people what they're supposed to think. And I'm supposed to want that. I mean, if any of you know me in actual life, which some of you do, you know that I'm pretty fun to hang out with. I laugh a lot. I joke a lot. I act silly about a lot of things. Even my frustrations I have fun with. When I was going through the breakup, I had a sense of humor through that. There were definitely times when I was very, very down. Like I really was committed to my relationship. And I knew that we had problems, but I thought we would figure it out. So when that turned out not to be the case... I wasn't happy about it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just overjoyed that my relationship didn't work out. No, I wasn't at all. And especially the way stuff went down. But I didn't want to make everybody around me miserable. And it wasn't like tears of a clown or laughing through the pain type of thing. It wasn't that dramatic. I mean, like certain parts were, but it just wasn't that for me. It was like, I have to look at what's good. Like for me at that time, the Las Vegas comedy community just came together for me in such a way and everybody was trying to make sure I was okay, not only financially, like I got offered all sorts of gigs here in Vegas just because everybody knew, like, yeah, I got put in a position where I was counting on somebody and like I've talked about before, he wasn't able to help in the most ways and that's not something I say as a dig or any kind of, it's just the one of the facts of the relationship. Like, towards the end of our relationship especially, he wasn't able to help much at all. And I didn't know certain circumstances were there that were there or to the degree that they were there. I didn't know these things. And so it did blindside me. And here I thought I had a relationship that was going to be able to help me through or a partner that was going to be able to help me through some of these situations. And now, not only are they not able to help me through, they're completely gone. And... Um, you know, uh, just the amount of people that were like, hey, are you okay? Do you want to do this particular gig? Can you make it to this particular spot? You know, it was just, it was so overwhelmingly good and positive that I felt like I owed it to everybody to at least have a good attitude, even if, even if at certain points it was hurting me or I was down I I had to do that because, and it didn't feel like a chore either to do that. I want to be clear about that. It didn't feel like, oh, I got to smile for these people. I genuinely felt good that people cared this much about me because I had had a rough, you know, time when I was in Phoenix with some of the lack of support from people that I really considered my friends. And then here I am new on this scene, which I knew people here just from performing here before, but I didn't know them like that. And now they're coming together for me like family. And then there's also the fact that my family was really great, which people have asked me about that, you know, about my family and how they are. And like, I don't talk about them as much on my podcast or in any form of social media. But that's just because um, one, I get to talk to them less, obviously, because I'm in a different state now. And so when I do talk to them, it's, I wouldn't say it's personal, but at the same time, it is 
it's not personal, but it is private. You know, like I do feel like, yeah, I I kind of want to keep most of that to myself. They're still the most special people in the world to me, even though they get on my nerves sometimes. Um, but also I realized when I got there, there, there were certain things that I have to take care of because they're both getting older, you know, uh, which is something I've addressed on my podcast in the past. But I, I made the mistake because I saw so many of my friends dealing with their parents in more feeble states that I was like, okay, let me make sure I'm at least in place if I need to be and that I'm ready to do the things that I might end up having to do. And then I got there and I was like, yeah, they're older. They're definitely older, but they're holding up really well. And after them being together for over 40 years now, they're a machine. Like they have a way that things work. So not only was I not helping, I was kind of in the way and they never made me feel that way or never made, ever said that or even implied that. But you can just tell sometimes when you're like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of in the way here right now. Like they don't need me here. And I wasn't living with them. At no point did I live with them during that. So it's not like I was in the way like that. But I was in the way just as far as I didn't need to be there. So then when, you know, the opportunity came up to move to Vegas and my partner was down with it, I was like, yeah, well, let's do that. You know, that seems to be a good move. But um, yeah, all the way around, I, I just have, even in my most kind of pessimistic times, I've still been very optimistic compared to a lot of the people that you see online. And I, more than trying to tear them down, I was trying to bring them over to my side in the way of like, yeah, let's figure this out. But at the same time, let's not disrespect people because I can tell you for a fact that that's not going to work. Like if I went into redneck clubs and was like, I'm gay and you're just going to accept it, they'd be like, yeah, no, we're not. We're going to do whatever we want to do, and we're not living for you like that. But then when I go in with a good attitude, and I'm just silly and fun, and I do my job, which is being a stand-up comic and making them laugh, then all of a sudden, people want to talk to me after the show. They're very nice to me. They add me on social media. They keep up. They support me. They ask me if I'm doing okay. I had so many relationships now that have lasted years and years because, you know, Facebook will send you the reminders like this was nine years ago. This was five years ago. And I'll look through the comments every once in a while and I'm like, I'm still friends with a lot of these people that were originally just audience members at a show. And now these people genuinely care for me, genuinely, like a lot of the cheesy gay jokes that the straight men used to give me, a lot of them don't happen anymore. It's just people treating me like a human being, which is what I thought everybody wanted. But then I noticed that there are some people that belong to certain communities that they don't want that at all. What they want is special treatment, even though they act like, oh, we just want to be equal. It's like, no, what you're asking for isn't equal. What you're asking for is special treatment because you want to be able to talk to people like they don't have any sense at all and have them still treat you with a, with a huge amount of respect, more respect than you deserve talking to people that way, no matter who or what you are or how you identify. There's a certain way that you talk to people that will make them like, yeah, I don't like you. I mean, like I've done it personally. I've done it with people where I've just been such an asshole that I really turned people off. And it hasn't been a lot in my life, but it's happened enough and I'm self-aware enough to know that, oh yeah, this is where I went wrong. I can't blame anybody else for this. This was me not talking to people in the way that would make them want to be nice to me or want to help me out or want to be warm at least. It's, it's just what it is. So you have to look at your behavior and be like, okay, where am I going wrong? So if somebody, especially a person that seems like they care, says this is what you might want to work on, Maybe at least look at it before you call that person an asshole and tell them they don't know what they're talking about because they might just know what they're talking about. And it's, it's like that with everything right now where it's like you're either with me or you're against me. And it's like, well, 
can I be somewhere in the middle? Can't I be with you but not agree with your methods? If Is that completely not allowed? Well, clearly you're this phobic. And it's like, well, now I've got a full-on phobia just because I don't agree with you. Now I'm the worst person. I'm the enemy just because I don't agree with your tactics. Makes no sense at all. But... You know, we're going into another election year, and I've already said I'm not really going to talk about politics in in a real, you know, I have opinions kind of way. This time around, I'm just going to every once in a while let people know what it is I'm noticing. Maybe people want to correct it. Maybe people don't want to correct it. I don't know where people are at right now. I don't know how much people actually believe in the things that they say they believe in because people act like they really believe in these things. This is what we need to have happen. And they do things that are completely the opposite of what you would want to do if you really need that to happen. Which I'll, I'm sure, get called hateful and an idiot for some of this stuff too, because that's one thing. These haters, when I said they have no life, they really don't. There's still haters that listen to my podcast. There's still haters that go on my YouTube. And it's like, I haven't really said anything that inflammatory or, you know, I haven't said anything particularly, I don't even know the word that I'm looking for right now. I guess inflammatory would be the word, but I haven't said anything that inflammatory lately, but you still listen, which I appreciate the click, the listen, but at the same time, it does make you seem like you don't have a life when you're still spying on me. I mean, what are you doing? Hoping that I'll say something you can make a big deal of? Because it it already happened, you know? Like, I had such dust-ups with different groups, and they tried everything that they could try to really get in my way, you know? And it was like, they forget that a lot of the people that I deal with have had years-long years long relationships with me. So when you're dealing with those people and you're like, this is what Ty Rivera does, this is what he's going to do, and they're like, yeah, well, we've known him for years and he's never done that, so why would he do that now? And then you ask you know, them for even proof, like, you know, oh, well, what did he do to you? Well, I just heard, and it's like, no, not good enough. Not what you heard, because if you're saying there was one person who was saying that, uh, like, I was trying to torpedo clubs, like comedy, cl actual comedy clubs that I was working for, which makes no sense at all. Like, that would be the dumbest thing on my part to actually mess with a comedy club that pays me, that works me. Like, how would that make any sense at all? But so this was the story that supposedly I would try to torpedo their comedy clubs by like writing bad Yelp reviews and that kind of stuff. And so the thing with that was it was so easy to disprove or prove because it was just like, all right, well, send us some of the Yelp reviews he's put up or show us what you're talking about. Well, I just heard, okay, well, that's not good enough because you're talking about things that can easily be tracked. Like if I'm writing Yelp reviews about clubs that I performed at, then you should be able to find or produce the Yelp review that you're talking about. And also, at that point, the club owner would have to say something because they'd be like, yeah, Ty did that to us. But it's just not something I would do. Um, I've had different you know, situations with clubs, and not even a lot at all, because most of the people that I've dealt with have been on the up and up. So when I say clubs, it's not even clubs. It's usually like a small, what we in comedy call a run, and that's what I've been doing a lot of lately is um, I've had the runs, just playing. Uh, but I have been doing a lot of what you would call runs, you know, which is when you go from one small city or town to the next. And they're just, you know, like uh, it's it, it'll even sometimes be major cities, you know, um, but you're just going from one to the next and usually doing one nighter. So you just perform one night, you sleep at the hotel, you leave the next day drive however many hours to the next gig, and then that's what you do. And so um, when you're doing these, 
you're not dealing with a club. Usually you're dealing with bookers. So you have these bookers that you work with, work for, and some of them throughout the years, uh, and not recently because I haven't had any situations for me personally happen, but you'll get like a bad check or they'll try to short you on money for a particular and like, you know, that kind of stuff does actually happen. But when those things happen, they usually don't happen in a public way at all, even in those situations, because my goal is to get my money. That's what my goal is. So when your goal is, let's get this money, it's like, okay, we handle this. There was even, like, I could have heard a business not too long ago when I got my hair cut, because what happened was they, the person that colored my hair or bleached my hair the first two times that it got bleached, because when you have hair as dark as mine, and then, you know, I would also dye it black, then a lot of that is resistant to the bleach. So it's a different process, and you need somebody that's more skilled to do it. And this person, the first time, didn't do it the way that they were supposed to, so I ended up with three different colors in my hair, which sucked, but it, it was what it was. And then I had to go back on the road, so I addressed that with them through phone, you know, just was like, hey, this is what's going on. Because, you know, like you could say if you have two different colors in your hair that it's an ombre, you know, and that was, it did kind of one color faded into another. But when you've got a third color in your hair and the first or the darker two colors are like a reddish brown and a red or a red and a reddish brown, and then up by your scalp, it's almost a honey colored blonde. It's like that doesn't go together. That doesn't look professional. But I had to go on the road immediately after, so I was stuck with that hair. And I was able to make it look really good, and I got a lot of compliments on social media, even in real life. But just if you really got close and you looked at the roots, you would notice that there were three different colors in my hair. So I... I spoke with the salon uh, personally and and through private. I didn't go to social media. And, you know, I had no real connection with them. Technically, if I was going to try to torpedo a business, don't you think something as personal as somebody messing up your hair would be the thing to do it? I don't know what you guys are like about your hair, but I do love my hair. I have a lot of hair. It's great. It's very... uh, luxurious when it's long. I've cut it since, like I said, but, um, you know, I really did love my hair, even though I didn't always love working with my hair. So the salon owner is like, okay, we'll come back in, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so even though I really didn't want to, because I, like I said, I didn't feel like the person was the most skilled, but I also know that you have to give them a chance to fix it or else you can't be like, I want my money back. You know, you just can't. You have to allow them to fix their mistake or at least attempt, which is a very risky thing. But at the same time, I didn't want to completely lose my money. So I was like, okay, well, if you, because we worked down an agreement where I was like, okay, the girl that does all of the color, have her help you out or do it for you. Okay, so they said they were going to have her help out or do it for them. And, uh, well, her help out. They said that was the only way they could do it. So I'm like, okay, well, then have her help out. So she was supposed to help out and supervise. I get there. She doesn't help out. She doesn't supervise. She comes over and says a few things every once in a while, but it's very conversational, like, oh, that's going to look so hot. Or, you know, how hairdressers talk, which is sometimes kind of annoying, but whatever, it's their business, it's what they're supposed to do. They're excited about hair. They love hair. And so, uh, you know, I let this person work on my hair again. When they were done, they had missed an entire quadrant of my hair, uh, of my scalp, and it was like dark, dark. And I was just like, yeah, that's not... So what they did was, rather than just making that the same color as everything else, they ran bleach through all of my hair again, all of it. So now I've got two bleach treatments in one sitting, which is a horrible idea unless you're using something like Olaplex or, you know, some kind of something that's going to protect the hair and make sure that it doesn't get too damaged, which even then it's probably not the best idea. 
What do I know? I only went to hair school for a short while. I decided the only person's hair I liked doing was my own. I left it at that. Um, but I know that you're supposed to, you're not supposed to bleach somebody twice in one sitting without using something to protect the hair. And they did that and it ended up frying my hair or a good part of it. They also made me a yellow color that some people said I look like Dog the Bounty Hunter. I'm not happy with this. It does make me laugh because I'm a fan of trolling. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to say, well, I shouldn't say, but my mom was actually one of the people that said the dog. I hate her so much. You know, your own mother bullies you. And, uh, but yeah, so, so this was, and that time I was getting ready to go to El Paso. So now I'm stuck with this hair that there's nothing I can do about. And I didn't want to just dye it black again. Oh, it was terrible. So I'm in El Paso having to deal with this like canary yellow hair and just grin and bear it. And that's what it was. So I'm, you know, having to deal with that. And I hit them up again pr privately. I just sent a text and was like, yeah, my hair is fried. And I, I, before I even really went into it with them, what I did was on my way back from El Paso, I just went in and drove completely out of my way to LA to the girl that used to do my hair there, a girl named Esther at Kim Sun Young uh salon in uh where what is that technically it's la proper but i don't remember the exact part of town you would call it or whatever it's kind of near the melrose area but so i went to her and she fixed my hair and cut a bunch of it off or some of it off and then uh, I, it still, though, was too damaged, even a lot of what was left, which she was doing her best, but I didn't have the patience to really rebuild it, and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I just want to cut this. So then I went to my friend Jocelyn, Jocelyn Sharp, who's been on the podcast, I went to the girl that does her hair, and she did a really great job with it. But when I was dealing with them after the first time that I had it fixed, um, which what the girl did was put some low lights in so that I would Esther put some low lights in so that I would, um, you know, so that that would kind of counteract the yellow. And then she put a different toner over like the yellow part itself. And, and then she also like, like I said, cut a lot of it off for a fair amount of it off and really styled it and made me walk out of there feeling like a regular human being again. And um, I hit them up when I was on the way and I was like, look, I just feel like I should get my money back, you know, which it was more expensive for me to go to the second person, plus the cost of L.A., plus tipping, because, you know, I was very happy, but I don't hold them responsible for what I tip. But, you know, I did tip her well because I, I was very appreciative of her, you know, fitting me in and taking such good care of me. And because, you know, your hair is such a big part of what you are. And, and this is not a shot at any of the bald people out there. Some of you are bald and beautiful, and I love it. I respect it. But for those of us that have hair, it is kind of like if someone messes up your hair, you're just like, wait, what's going on? How do I have messed up hair? So I dealt with them on a personal level. And at first they kind of tried to argue with me. Well, not kind of. It went on for quite a while. And I was like, this is pretty insulting actually because uh you know one of the people I dealt with even tried to be like well if you're gonna try to ruin my business then do it go to social media do whatever you have to do and I was like wait a second I never even said that I was gonna do that I just came to you personally so that you could rectify the situation in private and then this doesn't have to be a thing. Like, I've sent you pictures. It's on social media. Like, you can see that my hair is not in good shape. You can see that it's not a desirable result. It's not like I'm making up this scam because I want to get my money back from you. I just paid somebody more money to fix it, not having any guarantee that you were going to give me my money back. So clearly, this isn't a joke to me. It's not something I'm doing just to be a difficult person right now. You legit, legitimately messed up my hair. 
and you should rectify that situation. And I'm not, and I even told them in so many words on one of the text messages, I have no interest in going to social media about this. Like, if you guys don't do what you're supposed to do, karma will handle that on its own because we all know that this isn't something that I'm just making up right now. And it persuaded them to give me my money back. But it's like, I'm not running around trying to torpedo people's business. I'm a small business. And a lot of people don't really take that into account. Like, I'm a small business. So I'm not trying to create the kind of karma that's going to make it so I have a hard time trying to do what it is I'm trying to do. It's bad enough that, like I said, people have already tried to do that to me. And it's like, really... When people have ever tried to do that kind of stuff to me, it's always been about something that was a difference of opinion and never had anything to do directly with the person that was mad at me. So it was always a thing where it's like, are you really trying to punish me right now just because I don't think like you do? Is that why you think I deserve to not be able to work anymore or not be able to continue to pay my bills is just because I said something that you don't necessarily agree with or isn't in line with your thinking, now I completely have to be shut down. Now you have to go lie to me or lie about me to people that you don't know. And where do you find the time for this? Because with me, I don't want to make the time to ruin somebody's life. I just don't. I'm not calling different clubs. I'm not... Uh, Yelp review, any of that. I'm just not. I it's, I feel like and I, this is a principle that, or a, a kind of a philosophy that I have that a lot of people, I guess, don't have the patience for. But I personally feel like I would rather work to raise myself to a level where I no longer have to see you or deal with you than to try to take you down. Because if I take you down and take you out of the game, I'm still stuck in the same spot. So why did I want to own that spot like that anyway when I know what the reality of what I do and where I'm at in what I do is? And the reality of that is there's still plenty of room for me to rise and I can still do that. I know that my level of talent will allow that to happen. So I'm trying to level up rather than take you down. That makes more sense to me because then I get further ahead and that benefits me personally. And what do I care what, you know, like, and not in a bad way, but I don't care what happens to you because I don't see you. I don't know you. I don't like you. You don't like me. And we just don't have to have anything to do with each other. And that's the way I feel like more adults should start to handle things is just, yeah, let people do what they're, and if they're wrong, karmically, it'll get taken care of anyway. But nobody wants to do that anymore because everybody feels like now there's some kind of social media vigilante justice that you can still get from, <sighs> make, like, uh, I have to make this my mission. It's my mission completely to make sure that you no longer get to say anything that I don't agree with. Why should anybody hear you if I don't want to hear you myself? If I personally, and that's part of the thing with the Dave Chappelle thing, was there was an article in Vice where a guy was like, you know, uh, you can skip the Dave, Ch why you can skip the Dave Chappelle special. And it's like, are you really that full of yourself that you think that because you didn't like something that now everybody can just skip it? I watched it for all of you. I, I watched it. It's not good. You guys don't even have to see it. Could you imagine if we all started doing that for each other? Nobody would watch anything because you'd just see somebody that like, you know, I watched it. I hated it. It was terrible. It doesn't even deserve to exist. Why would you even, I just told you, do you not trust my judgment? Do you not believe me when I tell you that this isn't worth your time? It's like, well, can can I watch it? Maybe I'll decide something. Because I, I watched it after I read the article that said to skip it. And when I watched it, I was like, I am so glad I didn't skip this. It was entertaining. It was funny. It was edgy. It was what you'd expect from Dave Chappelle. I did a YouTube clip about it, which I've been doing a lot more stuff on my YouTube. That um, 
is actually turning out to be really fun lately. But um, the latest one I put out, though, about making changes hasn't gotten very many views at all. But I just put it out earlier, and I'm not really worried about it with that one because the latest one, if you get a chance, go check it out, youtube.com slash Ty Rivera. But if you, if you check out the latest one, it really is about what I'm personally trying to do right now. Like, excuse me, I'm sorry I'm yawning. Tonight I actually have a reason because I am tired, but... Um, like, I'm doing a thing where I'm changing myself or putting myself on a more regular sleep schedule. I want to start sleeping more at night instead of during the day like I was for a while there. I don't regret when I was doing it that way because I had to do it that way. It's just what was working out for my life, and I was getting sleep in where I could fit it in was the way it was working out. And some people were like, do you even sleep? And it's like, oh, yeah, trust me, I sleep. There's times where, you know, I'll have a stray day where... Things just line up the wrong way. There was one where I had to be up like 28 hours, um, but that was just because of the way everything worked out and I wasn't able to fit sleep in. And I, But I'm the kind of person that I don't run on no sleep. I'm not that guy. Um, when I have to power through like that particular day that I just mentioned, I'll do what I have to do because I have to do it. But I'm not trying to live that way. So, um, you know, uh, my thing is, like, I'm doing that. Uh, I recently did a clip about how I was starving myself, which was something I hadn't even realized I was doing. But I, I should have realized it. And I used to joke about it. But I, my thing was I would always tell people I eat plenty of food. I just eat the stuff nobody wants to eat. And then I really started thinking about my calories and because you know, I always had a, an idea of how many cal calories I was eating because I had eaten that way for so long and I used the MyFitnessPal app, uh, MyFitnessPal, if anybody wants to track their calories. I don't have any kind of affiliation with them. I don't get any money from them, but I just like the app because I don't think a lot of people realize how much they're eating or not eating in a day. Like everybody thinks they have an idea and then you look at it and you're like, yeah, I'm actually not doing that good. And so... I realized that I was starving myself, so I started um, to add more calories so that I could safely and in a controlled way gain weight because I do want more of an ass, which that's another thing. Like, you know, I wasn't eating enough food for my muscles to really come in the way that I, the way that I probably would like them to because I've always liked WWE. When I was growing up, it was WWF. But I've always liked the bodies of the wrestlers, and not just in the sexual way, but in the sexual way, too, if we're being 100% honest. Uh, but I've always liked those bodies, and I've always wanted one of those bodies, but I always thought, yeah, I'm not, you know, built for that. But really, if you look at me, I have a lot of muscle. Or, like, you know, I'm built to have a lot of muscle. And so, like, I just... I I realized that I needed to eat more. And then uh, I also mentioned in the clip where I talk about starving myself it, that, you know, I've been practicing purging uh, behavior, which is also kind of in the classification of an eating disorder, even though what I was doing was the opposite of an eating disorder and flushing everything out through en enemas slash douches. And that's something I've been doing for years and years and to a point of it being like uh, like a compulsion, like it, it just, it's, you know, 30, 45 minutes just flushing out my insides. And I have, uh, the, the wake up call was I really started bleeding one night. And I don't mean like a little bit of blood. I mean like, girl, I'm losing the baby, that kind of blood. And I was like, yeah, this is not healthy and it's not good and I've been doing it for years and it has to stop. And every once in a while, I'd have those conversations with myself. And I remember one time I talked about it with one of my friends named Tyler and he was like, yeah, that's not good. This was years ago and we talked about it. But then I just, you know, we joked about it a little bit and I stopped for a little while and then I went back to doing it again and then again for years doing it. And I just am like, I'm not getting any younger and this amount of blood is not normal and I need to stop this. And so I woke up the next morning and I completely forgot about that conversation I had with myself and the blood and everything else. And I did it again as soon as I woke up and then blood started happening again. I was like, this isn't good. You need to stop this. And so I decided, okay, this is one where I just need to, because sometimes I use social media and YouTube and 
Instagram, Facebook, all of it to keep myself honest, just like, okay, well, have people hold me accountable because it's like, okay, if I tell people this, then people are going to check in on me. People are going to ask me how things are going with that. People are going to be like, oh, you did this YouTube where you talked about the fact that you were... and. The other thing is I do realize when people say that I should should use my platform in productive ways, a lot of times it's like, no, you want me to use my platform in ways that you think I should use my platform. Like with me, when I talk about the things that really are going on in my life and resonate with me the most, that's when the people that need to hear me really hear me. And I know this because I get messages all the time where people are like, oh my God, I've been doing that too. Or I was in a situation similar to that. And whether it's the breakup and the way that went down or just different things, people really have come out of the woodwork to be like, yeah, I relate to you when you're talking about that. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I wish I didn't do that either. And then I get to be like, okay, well, let's not do it. The same way that I'm going to stop doing it, you stop doing it. And yeah, it's going to be hard for both of us because both of us have this habit. But, you know, now it's been a couple of weeks, which I don't consider myself out of the woods because, like I said, I've done it before where it's been a couple of weeks that I haven't done this behavior that I know that I shouldn't do. And then I go back to it. So we're not out of the woods, but we are on the road to getting where we need to get. And again, like I said, silver lining. You got to look at, at the win. The win is I identified it. I talked about it publicly just so that other people could hold me accountable. I'm talking about it now, and I'm really working on it. And it's not something I'm just going to work on. I'm actually going to make it happen. When it comes to the eating more, I've been consistently eating more for the last couple of weeks. There was one day where I wasn't able to eat really the way I wanted to, but that's just because I went to my best friend's wedding. Chris Doran got married, which um, I thought would never happen. Oh, just playing. I knew that they were going to get married, and, it, like, you know, it was a beautiful wedding, and I love Amanda, Mandy, his wife, uh, now Mandy Storin. Uh, I, I just love them as a couple, and, you know, I've really seeing their relationship up close, like me personally. And there's always stuff that you're not going to see just because if you're not part of the relationship, there's certain things that you're not going to see. But I've seen their relationship up close, and I know how much they love each other, and I know that they both have their heads and their hearts in the right places for this to happen. And so um, even though I was tired and I didn't necessarily feel like going out of town, uh, I made it to their wedding but I did a turnaround trip because I also had left some paintings out there, which ugh, I felt bad about that. But um, it was just because my car was packed the last time I was out there and I forgot about my paintings. And so, um, but I got my paintings now. Um, more paintings from brainstemming.com. Andy is his name, but brainstemming.com is where you want to go if you want to see the kind of paintings that he does, which is something I love. I love what he does. And, um, but yeah, so I had to go out there for that and I wasn't able to eat the way that I wanted to on one particular day. If anything, I've been a little over in calories a lot of times, whether it's like 100, it's like somewhere between 100 and 300 calories over. And it's just because I'm figuring out the way the food works or, you know, how many calories and how many carbs are and stuff. And my carbs are supposed to be higher. And so, you know, I'm really paying attention. But like I said, it's all about silver linings. It really is just about, for me right now, that's the way it has to be because I don't want to live in negativity and I don't feel like that's where the people that really love me, the people that really support me, I don't think that's where they want me to be either because I noticed that, yeah, I'll get more attention when I am in a negative space. But when I'm being positive, I notice that I like the attention that I get better. I like when I hear get to hear positive things. And like I said, it's not always the most positive stuff I'm talking about. It's just the spin is positive. It's like, okay, yes, I did have an engagement breakup. That's a fact, and it's not a great thing. But at the same time, if I have a great attitude and I'm healing from it and I get other people hitting me up and being like, I went through that for years and I healed from it too. And this is one of my coping mechanisms or this was the thing that really helped me come out of that dark time in my life. Well, 
now I've got people that are being so positive with me that they're offering me tools, which that's something you need too. You know, like sometimes it's as easy as people giving you the tools and then it's like, oh, I never even thought about that or I didn't know that was a resource or I didn't know that was something I could do. Or, you know, sometimes you're having money problems and if you say something about that and then somebody's like, oh, well, this is what I did. Because whenever I talk about that kind of, it's very rare that I talk about financial, you know, but when I talk about financial and I'm not, you know, really, or I have some stress, or I don't know what I'm going to do about this, then also other comics will hit me up and be like, it's so good to know that somebody that's been in it for that long still occasionally has these worries or goes through this because I'm going through that and that's something. And I'm like, yeah, well, hopefully we'll all be in a better place soon, but this is what it is now. And when I talk about that kind of stuff, I'm never looking for people to send me money or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Um, Ty Rivera dash comedy on Venmo, just playing. Uh, but it's not what I'm doing, you know. Sometimes I'm just venting and letting people know just because it's like, okay, it feels better to kind of release some of this and not have it as my own burden, be able to be like, okay, this is... And so then people will hit me up like, you know, have you tried this? Have you done this? Have you worked for this place? And so, you know, it all has to be about the silver lining for me right now. It's it's the way that life works out best. So everybody, I appreciate you listening and whatever you do above all else, stay unbothered. <laughs>